WWF superstars compete in the Royal Rumble for the undisputed WWF Championship, including Jake the Snake Roberts, the Barbarian, the model Rick Martel, the Berserker, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Nasty Boy Sags, Repo Man, Sergeant Slaughter, alleged real-world champion Ric Flair, Hercules, Colonel Mustafa, the Macho Man Randy Savage, Skinner, the British Bulldog Baby Boy Smith, the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase, Haku, Shawn Michaels, the Warlord, El Matador, Sid Justice, IRS, Nikolai Volkov, the Texas Tornado, Virgil, the Undertaker, the Big Boss Man, Greg the Hammer Valentine, Superfly Snooker, and the Immortal Hulk Hogan. It's time to rumble! It's time for the Royal Rumble! You're looking at the real deal now! Gonna kick this sorry ass out on the street! <laughs> Welcome to the Lowdown Western Podcast. My name is Rob Fuller, and joining me for the first time today is one of the co-hosts of the What a Maneuver Podcast. It's Eric Stephen Allen. Eric, thanks for being on the show. Hey, how's it going? I'm fine. Um, today and today we are talking about the 1992 Royal Rumble, and this is significant for two reasons. Uh, one is that it's generally regarded to be the best Royal Rumble of match of all time. And the second thing is that it's just like, even though this is the fifth Royal Rumble, this is the first time it is for stipulation. All the other Rumble was just for bragging rights more than anything. But this one will be for the um, WWF Championship. Hello. Um, so, Eric, um, at this time, which was the beginning of January 1992, where were you as a wrestling fan? Um, well, like I talked about on What a Maneuver a Bunch, um, we didn't have access to cable television until like 1997 or so. Um, so. I, you know, like all of my wrestling knowledge was like, none of it was in chronological order because yeah. like I, I only had access to what was on WWE superstars, which was all squash matches and promotional material. Um, like that was on like Sunday afternoons after American gladiators was on or whatever. So that was, wow, okay. yeah, <clears throat> it was like an hour long, like hype reel for the most part. Um, so it was that, and then the local video store had like like random a random assortment of pay per views that I rented like numerous times, um, but like I never got to see any of that stuff in any sort of order. Like it never, like there was never really like a build or a culmination for any of the storylines. It was just like everything I knew about Hulk Hogan versus Sergeant Slaughter, or whatever, was everything that was just contained within you know the the WrestleMania videotapes yeah. that I watched. Um, so like the first time I saw this Royal Rumble, I didn't know who Ric Flair was. Um, 
you know, all the significance, uh, like when he bumps into Carrie and Von Eric as the Texas tornado and a lot of the other stuff, like just was totally lost on me the first time I saw this match. Um, okay. Well, that's but, but the the way that Heenan sells it got me super excited and super pumped as a kid. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I think um, world champion mm-hmm. so he had these tackles um with Hulk Hogan a few times and in this match he comes in and helps Undertaker by putting the steel chair into the ring mm-hmm. and Undertaker tombstones probably one of the safest tombstones ever onto <laughs> the chair um uh, Hulk Hogan in the first of many dip moves we'll discuss about during the, the recording of this podcast wires like a bitch <laughs> and what's the rematch um look there's a, a pay-per-view six days later this this Tuesday in Texas, and the shenanigans get even worse in this. Um, that that's when it comes down to Rachel does no shenanigans. Uh, Ric Flair comes down. Hogan decides to greet Ric Flair with a chair shot to the back, and but he hits he bumps into John Tony, so he goes down. Um, Bear tries to hit um Hogan with the urn and hits him taken instead. And then when he drops it, urn, Hogan uses dashes in it to blind Undertaker, schoolboy him, and win his fourth WWE Championship. Yeah. So that's Dick Moon number two in there. <laughs> no, sorry, Dick Moon number three. Dick Moon number two was in the flare with the chair. Um, about we on superstars, Jack Tony Gunnery goes, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to vacate the title, <laughs> and it will be for the 1992 Royal Rumble. So that's the story going into it. Yeah. Um, so did you get to see much of that um, as a kid on the TV? Um, I, I'm pretty sure I saw that Survivor Series after this Royal Rumble. Um, like I said, yeah. like none of like all that stuff was just kind of a jumble for me. Uh, back in the day, it wasn't until it wasn't really until there was like a big three DVD set of Ric Flair matches that came out in like 2003 yeah. or 2004, and that was like when I really got an appreciation for a how you know how really great Ric Flair was, and b um, how totally fucked up everything about the championship picture was in 1993 and 1992 like like everything from that survivor series up until the end of wrestlemania 9 is just such a horrible clusterfuck um yeah it's it's really it's hard to imagine like 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 who was running the ship who thought any of that was a good idea um Really, like like Ric Flair being the champion for as long as he was was like the most stable thing that happened to the belt during that era. Yeah, I mean, it's not really time for long. I mean, talk about after the only time for like three months. But Hogan is all the championship except for one always ended dubiously. So um, and it, Hogan's weird. I mean, he's it, it, one of the biggest face for all times. That he acts like a complete wanker. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I mean, even like. Just the fact that WrestleMania 8 is billed as having a fucking double main event. Um, 
Although for some reason the Macho Man Ric Flair match is it's like what is it? It's like the fifth match on a nine like match fourth card. Or fifth match, yeah. Yeah, and then like even on the box, like the the video cassette box for WrestleMania eight, it's like Hulk Hogan and Sid Justice are on top, and Ric Flair and Macho Man are on the bottom. It's just you know like yeah. everything that they did was sort of uh, organized around making Hulk Hogan feel good about himself. Um, yes. And it's just, it's a damn shame because like Macho Man and Ric Flair were fucking amazing in that match. And um, the Hogan Sid Justice thing is such a disaster. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know. it's, a, it's, it's probably the um, weirdest match because that, that was my first ever Hulk Hogan match. I heard so much about him. <laughs> oh, and then he gets his ass kicked for the vast majority. I'm like, why are you, why, why should I team this thing again? Yeah. He's supposed to be like this hero, and then it's meant to like he's about to die, and then make his comeback, and they get this bizarre ending. Mm-hmm. Um, so there we go. Here we go to the Royal Rumble. Um, there's some things that I love about this Rumble that uh, you don't really see now. I wonder is the like the pre-match interviews. Um, <laughs> so you get um, you get interviews from Master Man, Sid, the Weeper Man, who I loved as a kid. I just loved the way it was just like sneak everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, is that is that? Is that like is is Sorry. the idea of like the sneaky repo man that's gonna come and take your stuff away? Is that? Well, I mean, so first of all, the repo man is a totally messed up character because it doesn't make any sense. Like that's not how repo men operate. But I just I wondered, is that something that like like culturally works for you? Like like suppose I, like you know like professional wrestling in the United States is supposedly the the domain of like poor white people, and so like. <laughs> And so, like, you can totally see, like, where Vince McMahon was like, oh, yeah, poor white people. Like, they buy things they can't afford, so we'll have this guy who's going to sneak in and take away their things that they can't afford to make payments on, and he'll be a bad guy. Um, And, of course, what's great about the character is how totally over the top that uh, Barry Darso plays it. Like, he's like a cat burglar instead of a repo man, but... Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, I mean, not so much. I just like... I like his theme music. I thought it was awesome. And, um, but no it was just it's very did it. But um, I see what you mean with the whole like legal because in the UK they have to come actually good and not because I think we've got less chance of being shot here than in the states. <laughs> so um, you know they don't knock on the door and like give us someone's go. Well, we're stealing this, we're taking this, so deal with it kind of thing. But I know like some repo men in the in the states because of that fear of you, you know what we're going to go into. So yeah. they kind of like even though all the all the legal documents are just like grab it and they go oh by the way here's, here's the summon kind of thing yeah um but the interview those interviews from jake the snake rick flair in a brilliant promo with mr perfect um baron mm-hmm. undertaker and obviously hulk hogan um do we get to the match um the thing introduces jack tunney um look i had to criticize it jack tunney to me until very recently one of the guys you heard so much about but never saw because mm-hmm. you heard about him in WrestleMania 8, which is the first thing I ever watched, but you never saw him. And so I watched, I first watched this Royal Rumble match about seven years ago. And it was the first time I actually saw Jack Tunney in the flesh talking. <laughs> it was one of those weird things to me. Um, so he goes on about the um, the stipulations, who wins the match, blah, blah, blah. Um, the comments in this one are Gwyneth Monsoon and Bobby Heenan, who I think is the best comedy pairing I think WWE has ever had. Yep. Um, no question uh, about that. Yeah, definitely. And the, the, what Bobby does here is brilliant, especially in a, in a few minutes. Um, so we get to the first competitor. Number one is the British Bulldog, and number two is the Million Dollar Man. Mm-hmm. Um, Ted DiBiase, maybe the best theme music in wrestling history. It's up there. It's at least oh, in the definitely. conversation. Yeah. Oh, it's 
brilliant music. I love this laugh as well. Mm-hmm. And I think probably probably near the top of the guys that you would love to have seen as WWF champion. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's from my modern perspective as a 32-year-old person. But yeah, when I was a kid, I hated the Million Dollar Man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so pretty much they thought they thought they're like top born straight away. Um, and Dibby Yoza does one of the um, I always talk about wrestling wrestlers being like very forgiving people but also very stupid at times especially Warrior Wumples yeah. and one of the things that they always do is they, fuck, they, like, they chuck them over the ropes assume they've been eliminated and then just walk away and, and they don't actually check and make sure the guy actually has been eliminated mm-hmm. so um, obviously he falls over the top rope turns around uh, Bulldog takes advantage of close time over so that's him gone uh, <laughs> Bulldog three, does that himself like several times during this match yeah. 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 Uh, number three, uh, we get a lovely road to one by the um, camera, and then to Ric Flair. Heenan, no! I, God damn it! No! Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's safe to say Heenan is not happy. <laughs> um, so he's like going, "Oh, no, shit! What do we do?" And obviously, Gwyn is like ecstatic about the whole thing. And yeah. uh, by this point, um, the winners of the Royal Rumble have all been the last ten competitors. So obviously, Gwyn is going, "Well, he's number three. He's got no chance." Like, and um, and a great line. I love when Flair comes in. He does the fake handshake to the hair swipe thing to Bulldog when he walks into yeah. the ring. Um, and also, um, I love that Heenan just he straight up apologizes and says that he is not going to be um, able to be a, a, uh, maintain his objectivity throughout yeah. the rest of this match. Yeah. Um, was I guess I guess I, it was never really they never really come out and say it. I guess, but he just like bet all of his money that. Ric Flair was going to win, is that? Well, I think if I remember correctly, he was like the financial advisor to the group. So obviously, Perfect was an executive consultant, i.e. manager. And <laughs> he was there. He was more like the financial advisor. He was always like, pretty much like the advocate for Flair. But um, one thing made me laugh was when he was going, oh, you're not going to be objective. Gwyda goes, when have you ever been objective? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I thought that was brilliant. Um, so number four comes out and snaps the boy sacks and he attacks uh, Bulldog with Flair, but he gets um, in stupid wrestling move number two. Um, he gets thrown over the top rope but lands on the apron. Instead of like going back into ring, he thoughts to the crowd. Bulldog turns around and drop kicks him out. So that's him eliminated now. Um, number five is Haku. Um, and one thing I found weird is that obviously Flair's doing all the chops, but this is like years before you hear the woo, and I've, I personally found that weird. So you're so used to hearing a woo after any after every chop. Yeah. Um, uh, it wasn't a Ric Flair. I mean, it was a signature move of his, but it wasn't so closely associated with the the Ric Flair character at that point, I guess. Yeah. Um. So. He didn't argue that Perfect should be a ringside because he's an executive consultant, not a manager. Yep. Uh, also, so also Heenan drops his first, this isn't fair to Flair of the match. Oh, God, he says that a billion times in this. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is brilliant. Also, um, Haku has amazing 90s pants. Um, just like the purple and pastel green swipes. And um, they're actually, they're not the most 90 pants on this pay-per-view. The most 90 pants belong to Owen Hart and Jim the Anvil Nineheart of the new yeah, foundation in the opening match who they look like, I, they look like MC Hammer fucked the Saved by the Bell credits. They're just they're <laughs> big and poofy and they got like a, like a, like a, I don't know, an Aladdin giant, like kind of cummerbund thing around the middle. Yeah. And I, 
they're they are some amazing pants. Um, yeah, they are really good. Um, Haku gets thrown over by Bulldog just before number six Shawn Michaels comes in. Uh, Shawn Michaels just turned heel by beating the shit out of Martin Jeffy at the barbershop. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, it was like what two three weeks beforehand. And um, the reason that one thing I love about that is um, I think it's I know I think it's Heenan the Biz. I'm not oh, it's Heenan Gorilla commenting on that bit. And the shake, you know, Martin and Sean, you know, celebrate, you know, put their hands up and stuff. And Heenan's like going, oh, that's really good. And then Sean Michaels does the super kick. And Heenan goes, yeah, I knew he was going to do that. Oh, it's quite funny. Yeah. Um, One of the number best, seven, as I've stated many times before, the best wrestling gif in history is. Michael's thro- throwing Janetti through the barbershop window. Oh, God, yeah. That is yeah. such a brutal thing to see in 1992, yeah. especially yeah. because it's Marty, obviously, leaning as well. Uh, number seven is El Matador Tito Santana. Mm-hmm. And um, he he is followed by the Barbarian, number eight. And uh, with, when, when Santino comes in, Bobby Heenan has his first heart attack of the night. He flips out, um, and also Santana hits uh, Heenan's favorite move, the flying jalapeno. Oh yeah, that's, that's good. Um, <laughs> no, number nine is Texas Tornado who beats up Flair. Um, Flair does one of my favorite spots. What he does when he gets beaten up and then he walks around like I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, and just collapses onto the wing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually uh, like I thought it was a weirdly big pop for for Kerry Von Erich, the Texas Tornado. Um, like I said, but I mean, like I said, when I was a kid, I didn't know, I didn't know the history between Flair and Von Erich, you know, like the, the stuff at WCCW Star Wars on December 25th, the, you know, the infamous cage match um, yeah. with the Freebirds and all that stuff. Um, and also, it, like, when I, when I heard that this time around, um, I went and looked because I thought maybe this match had taken place somewhere in the south or something, but it was actually in Albany, New York. Which yeah. is super weird because so I'm from you know New York, uh, New York State. I'm from like the western side of it though, yeah. and like Albany is. I mean, it's a decent sized city. It's like maybe a hundred thousand people or something like that. But it's just like the idea that it just is. It sort of highlights the difference in popularity and sort of the just the overall sort of bigness of the the sort of the big four pay-per-views in 1992 compared to 2015 because yeah. in 2015 they would never have the Royal Rumble in a city as small as Albany, New York. No, but that is not the state capital. It is the state capital. Yeah. Yes. But it's also it's... like the fifth smallest or it's like the fifth biggest city in the state. Um Yeah. There's obviously New York is bigger. Buffalo and Rochester and Syracuse yeah. are all like have more people. So, um, <laughs> for I guess it's closer to to this like to this to this uh, to New York City than yeah. some of the other ones. But it's just it's a it's kind of a weird place for them to have had the Royal Rumble. Yeah, it is. Um, so number ten is the Weeper Man who sneaks into the ring, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> He's uh, taking his time, man. He oh yeah, he is. He's got a plan. He knows what to do. Says Bobby Heenan. So yeah, um, yeah he, he always like he knows like praises them for like you know taking the time and when people like you know like the very people and matching like, all would in. Mm-hmm. They're going the ways of energy and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I thought that was great. Um, number eleven is Dragon the Hammer Valentine, and you guys you guys did develop the story in the match because obviously Flair's like been there quite a while, so so they kind of start like attacking him. And um, no, he is always going. That's not fair to Flair and all that stuff. Um, 
Number 12 is Nikolai Volkov. Yeah. Frank uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine, a.k.a. the shitty Ric Flair. Yes. Yeah. Uh, just, oh, there's one bit that I found really funny is, uh, I don't know if you've seen the intro video for, for the event, you know, you tell the competitors, and Brett the Hammer looks like a deer in headlights in his throat. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, it's a... That's a really amazing like bit of production work too, for because for no reason whatsoever, all of the uh, the heels are all in these like pink oct like octagonal. They look like pink stop signs. Like all their faces are like the heels are all on pink stop signs, and the uh, the um, the faces are all on purple stop signs for no reason whatsoever. It's just like a like again, it's such a '90s like production. Um, thing either either early 90s for wwf or would have been like 1998 for wcw yeah, <laughs> yeah it is it's good um so um during this time valentine's has a football player in the fifth fourth. that was both their um, finishing maneuvers and move man in the middle folk off um number 13 comes in as at the big boss match who pretty much unloads everyone yep um does we've man, yeah we've eliminates um Valentine, but he then gets eliminated by the big boss man. Um, so you get you get other next few people coming in, but there's a bit where I, you, you get it everywhere. But they've got seven or eight people, and then it's like time to like clear everyone out. So in a space of like thirty seconds, you're down to two people. Mm -hmm. um, Bulldog gets eliminated by Flair, and then and Flair then eliminates Tornado. Um, number fourteen come in and it, Hercules. But just before that, you just see Michaels and Tito eliminate each other. So that's them both out now. I'm not sure if that leads into the WrestleMania match or not. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, so uh, there's one really bit that I loved is um, Flair high five Barbarian, and then um, starts giving the Flair chops. Slight problem, Barbarian's fucking massive. <laughs> yeah. And he is going. Why? Why are you doing that? <laughs> That's stupid. What are you doing? <laughs> this is this is like the tail end of the steroid era, where yeah. guys like Hercules and the Barbarian, and when he comes out at the end, the Warlord, like he's yeah. just one giant fucking steroid at this point. It's really ridiculous how how big and like puffy and crazy his body looks. Yeah, um, Barbarian tries to eliminate Flair, but um, Hercules kind of takes advantage, drops Barbarian Flair to try and eliminate them both. Barbarian goes, but Flair holds onto the top rope and just survives. I thought that was a great moment there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, and then Bossman limits Hercules, that just, just leaves him and Flair now. Um, then Bossman tries to cross body Flair. Flair ducks, but um, obviously Bossman lands and he has to help himself out a bit, but he goes over the top rope. <laughs> Um, so that leaves Flair now just by himself. Yep. But Flair's, that Flair's, he, you would say he's the only man standing, but he was really the only man crawling around in the center of the room. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he was absolutely knackered at this point. Um, then we get to number 15, and it's a new Intercontinental Champion, Waddy, Waddy Piper. He won the championship earlier in the night when he beat the Mountie. Against the Mountie, uh, yeah. Which was, which was yeah. an interesting, kind of an interesting match because... Um, originally, it was supposed to be Bret Hart versus the Mountie. Um, Hart had like lost the title just a few weeks earlier, on like kind of a house show kind of a thing. Like I think it, they taped it, but I don't think that it was broadcast anywhere um, to the Mountie. And supposedly he had a fever of 104, and you know he was compromised, and that's why he lost. But there's like some rumors that came out at the time that said 
that yeah. um that brett was maybe thinking about going to wcw sort of as a like a way for them to get back a little bit at wwf for how they brought flair in and that maybe brett was going to take yeah. the title with him and that maybe possibly um they took the belt off of heart so that way they couldn't do that which was interesting it's i think it's it's kind of an interesting little bit of rumor, but it's way more interesting giving the given the context of what happened in nineteen ninety seven. Um to the point where yeah, it, it's like actually, yeah. yeah, like when you first see that rumor, it's hard not to say, like, well, is it did did this have some kind of influence on how everything that happened at the Montreal screw job? Um, did this, you know, sort of influence Vince's thinking on how that you know, like maybe there was this planted some sort of seed or distrust of so, or something like that. Of course, it's totally ridiculous, but um, no, yeah, it's, I mean, I think I think when it comes to the screw job itself, I mean, we did a podcast about it for ages. Yeah. Well, I think, I think with that, I think it's a combination of both being really stubborn and yeah. you know, I I, I can I can understand Vince's reason for it, but but and. Brett was like a bit of a dick about it, and I just think they just they could have found a way to really sort it out. Yeah, and um, and but Vince just couldn't take that risk and end up doing what he did. Um, well, that's like Joe and I when we covered that for what a maneuver. Like we watched Wrestling with Shadows, and we talked about it a lot. But it's it's. It, you know, like like you said, it was just kind of a, a thing where egos clashed and eventually yeah. like both guys kind of both sides pretty much fucked up to the point where what happened kind of had to happen, um, which yeah. was too bad, but made for a great story. So I did it. Um, the other, other thing is, I like it, I always wonder, like, if what if Brett actually had gone to WCW 1992, like how much different would his career trajectory have been? Um like, like would that, that would really they have? Point. Yeah, would like would they have totally fucked up with him if he had gone in ninety two instead of ninety seven? Or like maybe they would have had something better for him to do. Maybe he could have had a nice run with Sting or Vader or whatever. Um, yeah. when they were in their primes. Yeah, I, I, I always found I think one thing, and I, I didn't really mention it when it, when it was on your podcast, but one thing I did feel sorry for Brett about uh, was that he he became champion after people like. Um, Hogan and Savage, like all the big stars that left, mm-hmm. and it comes to WCW and they're there, so he has to he has to federally start again. <laughs> so um, I yeah, did feel right. a bit sorry for him. I, did, I was expecting that you know walk to the title like Hogan did when he joined WCW, but at least you know, you know, it'll, it'll build up and then eventually challenges up. I did, he didn't win it for another like eighteen months. Yeah, you know, so enjoy it's really weird. Um, when we get to the match, match um, Piper has um, Flair to sleep hold. Uh, when number sixty comes in, that's Jason Snake. And one thing I love what he does, he, he goes to the ring and then like Boomers goes, yeah, yeah, you carry on. I'm gonna sit in the corner here and watch <laughs> yeah, you. He just kinda lounges in the corner and like yeah, he I, like waves at Piper and says, like, you know, if you want to come fight, that's cool, but if not, I'll just chill here. Chill here, do we yeah. want kind of thing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he then he does proceed to um start attacking him. Um oh, there's a great bit by um Ingram again because um what was about the as Flair, I put him by the the DDT. Uh, um, Piper stops him from it. He goes, "I never thought I'd say this, but thank you, Waddy. It's a kill. It's not a skirt. It's a kill." <laughs> and then about a minute later, Piper attacks Flair, and Bobby goes, "You no good creep. You're skirt wearing freak. It's not a kill. It's a skirt." I thought, I thought, really, I looked away. He just, he just turned on a dime twice mm-hmm. and went like two minutes. 
I thought yeah. it was brilliant. Um, no, no loyalty you... for Bobby Heenan for anyone except for Ric Flair. No. Yeah, Flair and Pervert, that's it. Yeah, yep. Um, no one comes out, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Uh, Jim Duggan, and I don't know if you're a fan, but I can never stand Hacksaw. I couldn't. Ever since I first saw it, I couldn't understand them. Um, he's probably the only he's only he's probably the only wrestler I've ever hated. Like just from just in terms of his gimmick and everything. Really? I, I mean I guess it's just there really isn't much to him other than he's a dude with a two by four who's really patriotic. Yeah, um, says how a lot. Just just says how a lot in USA a lot and you're like Yeah. Supposedly, um, like some of the stuff that he did in Mid South and UWF, like in the early '80s, was more interesting. Like yeah. there was more to his character back then. But I've never actually seen any of that. Um, the one thing I yeah. will say in his defense is that right after he turned, or right after Hogan turned heel and joined the NWO in '96, um, yeah. Duggan cuts this. I can't remember if it's like the first week or the second week after, but Duggan comes out like this is. His gimmick at the time was that he had a two by four. He was really patriotic, and he wrapped his hand in magical tape and punched guys in the forehead with it. And he was yeah. kind of on a weird winning streak. But he comes out and he cuts this like it's like Joe and I could never decide if it was actually an amazing promo about how Hogan had like stabbed Duggan and all the guys in WCW and all the fans in the back, or if it was yeah. just an amazing pro promo because we have such low expectations for Hacksaw Jim Duggan promos. Um, it's not. Yeah. I've always wanted to um, to go back and rip that and put it up on YouTube or something because I've I've looked for it a few times and it doesn't exist anywhere. Um, it's like it's one of those things that I'm not even sure that we witnessed. It may have just been some kind of weird fever dream. Yeah. But it was it was just really really strange to see Hacksaw Jim Duggan be coherent and like make like this cogent argument about why what Hogan did was so heinous. It was, it's actually, it's like a surprisingly good promo and makes you wonder that if maybe um, like he had some sort of talent that was kind of wasted on just this super lazy, I'm a dude with long hair that gives thumbs up a lot kind of character. So. Yeah. I, I see. I mean, I could see, I know he's in the hall of fame and I could, I could see why he was popular. With the party, obviously. Yeah. Hey, he had an uh, American flag. So people in America love him. Yes, definitely. Um, <laughs> number eighteen is iOS, and, and then number nine, <laughs> who um, I, I like the way I would like because I can't. I think this was just before before Money Inc. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought I loved that as a tag team. Um, so I'm always always found I've always found heels more interesting. Um, so number nineteen is Superfly Jim Snuka, and then uh, number twenty is Undertaker. And one thing I forgot to mention in uh, Jack Tony's speech, oh, I think it's just after, um, because Hogan and Undertaker were the last two champions, they got like a bit of an advantage. So they got the numbers, the only numbers they could draw between 20 and 30. Mm-hmm. So um, Undertaker gets number 20. Mm-hmm. Um, he eliminates Superfly and then goes after Flair. Um, number 21 is Mastermind when established. Uh, no, now, actually, Flair goes right after The Undertaker, and Heenan, oh, yeah, no, Heenan has like his fifth or sixth heart attack of the night where he's just screaming, yeah. like, What is wrong with you? Why are you going? Why are you doing this? It's a, it's all over. Everything's down the toilet now, he says. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, because he, he, wants, he wants Flair to, like, you know, um, like hide and, you know, right. take advantage of stuff. And Flair does kind of do that, but he does some decision like that. Not a good idea. I mean, he tackled, tackled Barbarian early. I'm like, that's a dumb idea. Mm-hmm. And then he tackled on the table. I was like, that guy's pocket is 
zombies. That's very that's a very bad idea. Um, um oh, also number... just before um just before the next guy comes down, there's a super wide shot of the uh, the arena. And if you look in oh, the I upper right shot, yeah. if you look in the upper right hand corner, there's these three little kids and one of them appears to be wearing a cape. Um oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um number credit one is Masterman Wendy Savage. Now um at this time, he was still featuring Jake Roberts because he had retired, and then he had to appeal to the fans of Jack Tony to get reinstated to Jake's Jake Roberts. Um, one, one thing that he could really said that every time when Roberts in the ring, every time he, you know, every time he had the counter, Roberts makes sure it's not savage mm-hmm. and then carries on. Um, when it is savage, obviously Roberts clocks him, goes, fuck that, and then um, hides outside the ring. <laughs> so um, Savage runs in, he's like, where, no, where is he? And then um, he gets attacked by the Undertaker, and that's when Robert slides in and um, you know, starts attacking him as well. Um, Savage but does, does dare to um, beat him up a bit and then eliminates him. And then Savage jumps over the top Jumps to the top rope and continues to beat up Roberts and yep. he goes to help. This um, is this this, is, this, this, is this moment is one of the reasons that this is my favorite match. It's amazing. Um, yeah. where, where Macho uh, eliminates himself and then they have to like struggle to come up with a reason in the, within the quote unquote rules that allows him to get back in yeah. the ring since he's supposed to be one of the last four guys. Yeah. Yeah, um, because they did that saying, oh, he, he wasn't propelled. Um, but keep in mind, the big boss man eliminated himself mm-hmm. um, earlier. But it, this is pretty much a, a, a general fuck up by Savage because that's how he normally left the wing. And he didn't think about it. He, he knew how to leave the wing, attack Roberts, but then didn't think about how he left the wing. Yeah, that thing. But luckily, um, Gwilym Brain kind of like cover it semi I think I think they do a good job given that it makes no sense whatsoever that yeah. you'd be allowed to re-enter the match. Um, it's even it's interesting because like I'm pretty sure that um, like you can hear Heenan like pausing while he's trying to explain it because he's actually having it explained to him while he's talking to the audience. Yeah, like Vince McMahon is in Vince. his ear trying to tell him what to say because Heenan says. I know what it is, and then there's this really long pause, and then it's because no one threw him over the top rope, and and then yeah. Monsoon plays Monsoon, the consummate professional. He plays it skeptical yeah. for a little bit, and then eventually um, decides to buy into the excuse. Like Monsoon does a really good job of um, like pretending to be like being the cipher for the audience, like like being yeah. skeptical, but then eventually accepting it, just kind of going along with it. Like it's a really it's a really good way to make something ridiculous seem somewhat less ridiculous. Yeah. Um, number 22 is the Berserker, and he's followed <laughs> by Virgin. Huss, huss, huss. Yeah, it's got, he, he says that all the fucking time. Yep. And then um, then we get Virgil and then the Iron Sheep, but he wasn't called Iron Sheep then, was he? Was it, he was Colonel, was it Colonel Mustafa. Mustafa. Yeah. Who, that was it. Uh, I can't remember if it was that or General Adnan. I can't remember which one was the sheep. I think Adnan was his manager. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Virgil is described as being fresh and hungry. So, also, yeah, Virgil has everything about Virgil is so low rent. He has little tassels on his boots, but there's like yeah. five of them and they're very small. So, it's like yeah. everything about Virgil, even the tassels on his boots are third rate. Yeah. Um, number 25 is a model with Mattel who is a current record holder because 
the nice long Royal Rumble, he went on for like 52 minutes before he got eliminated. Um, he does talk, he doesn't do it straight away, but he does go off the flare for a little bit, like, like everyone else does. But he has kind of more of a reason because he doesn't want his record to be broken, and Flair's very close to that. Mm-hmm. Um, number 26 is Hulk Hogan. Yay. Um, <laughs> he um, eliminates Undertaker. So, one thing I thought, I know I knew you'll win this, obviously, but one thing a lot of people might have thought would be those two would be the last two in the Royal Rumble, but that doesn't happen. Um, one thing I like about the Undertaker, he lands on his feet. He doesn't like collapse outside the close he no hold his close line and he lands on his feet and then just stares for a bit and then walks off. I quite like that. Um Supposedly then, Supposedly isn't but, this is this when they supposedly like um dub in booze over Sid Justice's entrance and dub in cheers over Hulk Hogan's entrance so that way it seems like I'm not a tar- Hogan. Suppo- sure. It's. I think it's at least a rumor, right? That that the cheers yeah. for Hogan were somewhat fake on the uh, the tape, yeah. the videotape, and um, subsequent releases of this rumble. Yeah. Um, I mean, I knew I knew about the ending. I'll um, we'll get to that in a bit, but yeah. uh, I didn't know anything about the um, entrances. Um, Twenty seven is. Also, um, oh, before that, um, uh, Berger and Duggan end up eliminating each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and then number twenty-seven is Skinner, um, who who was this? Um, who obviously known as Steve Kern, and he was like this crocodile from the gimmick. He called on to be the second joint, and I think wasn't isn't he in charge of FCW now? Is he? I had, I yeah, had I, knew, I knew but... he was there. I knew he was there when WWE was there, and then that's formed. That's now formed into NXT. Um, so I, I think he was involved in FCW at the time. In uh, in two thousand fifteen, he would be a member of the Wyatt family. <laughs> Funny. Yeah, because um, yeah, yeah, you can't, you can't imagine, you can't imagine him being in that, can't you? It's just yeah. the way. Yes. Yeah. Although he would yeah. not be chewing tobacco in 2015, because that's not kid friendly. No, it's not. Yeah. I don't think it's ever supposed to be. But um, <laughs> yeah, um, number 28 is Sergeant Slaughter, and um, Martel gets a chance to eliminate Skinner. Um, Gorilla at this point congratulates Flair for breaking the record these past 53 minutes. Um, number 29. Keenan, is Keenan declares when Flair Flair breaks the record. Just give him the title now. Oh, yes, he yeah. does. <laughs> and and Gorilla's like, no, not, it's not happening. Like, yeah. Um, number 29 is Sid Justice uh, in this bright green trunks. Mm-hmm. Uh, black blue, sorry, not green. Not black blue. It's like, well, every time I've seen him, he's always wore either jeans or dark trunks. It's a bit weird seeing him in blue. Um, num- and then number 30 is Warlords. Everyone's been in now. The steroids. Uh, yeah. Um, Sid does probably one of the coolest eliminators ever by propelling uh, Slaughter to the turnbuckle, but the force is so hard. Pretty much Slaughter hits and goes over and is eliminated. I love that moment. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, yeah. And then Piper um, eliminates IOS because IOS throws him over and lands on the apron, and then Piper grabs IOS's necktie and pulls him out. Yep, that's, uh, shouldn't wear a necktie in the yep. wrestling ring. Yeah, it's, uh, and he didn't learn his lesson because he kept on doing it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah um, and then Hogan and Sid team up to um, eliminate the Warlord. So you're left with Sid, Hogan, Flair, Savage, Piper, and Martel. And I think that's a really good. Group of final six there. Mm-hmm. 
we get to there's some there's some interaction between the Hulkster and Ric Flair. Yeah. Um, where Flair slides out and pulls Hogan out, and Hogan suplexes us on, suplexes him on the uh, the mat on the outside of the ring, and then gets a big beat, yeah. which is about yeah. as much interaction as those two guys ever had. <laughs> yes. In WWF. Yeah, I know. I know they they have. I think there's like one televised event doing it, but on the tag team match, so I know they have a couple of house shows as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but also keep in mind that you know they weren't really masked; it's more like a like a thin carpet that he's been suplexed on. So that must have bloody hurt. Yeah. Just how uh, how insane is it that you have like arguably the biggest star from the South and the biggest star in professional wrestling history in the same promotion at the same time, and they don't have a match together? Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I know obviously Dobby did kind of figure that out really quickly, but I don't know. It was um, with Flair; he was like the first main guy to come from the competition, effectively, because in WWF, most of their big guys ever came from small promotions. Uh, and then oh, and then they built them up. So you know, to have some someone from that, he was like he's been like WCW and WWF champion what like it's eight or nine times at this point, by the seventies and eighties, and you know, to have him come to the WWF and then just not have no not face Hogan was a really weird decision. But um, I don't think they thought it would go enough money, so that's why they didn't do it. Yeah, well, or that, or just Hogan didn't wouldn't want to lose the flair. I know, yeah, true. And um, which is probably how that should have went. I mean, whatever. They, you know, we'd eventually get a million Ric Flair, or not a million of them, but quite a few Ric Flair Hulk Hogan matches in WCW, and most of them were, you know, they were okay. Yeah. Um. So um, Piper and Martel are like trying to eliminate each other. Sid goes, I'll do that for you. Eliminate both of them at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's one bit, it's like a, um, Sid is trying to, to put Savage over. Flair wants him in the knee to the back, but he, he pulls Sid forward and that throws Matchman. Hogan and Flair. Um, Hogan and Flair duke out, and Sid is just watching. Uh, with his, with Obviously, Hogan is focused on Flair, he's back well. So, Sid takes advantage and eliminates Hogan to cheers. You see people in the crowd like cheering and all that stuff. Um, <laughs> Hogan, even though they say it every time, Fink says it, it says it at the beginning, I think it's even at the, this year's poster, it's every man for himself. Mm-hmm. Hogan must think that does not apply to him because he is in Dick Moon number four. He's pissing the referees going, he eliminates me, and I'm like going, yeah, that's the rules. <laughs> Deal with it. Um, Unless you eliminate then, yourself, I mean, then you can get yeah. back in. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. That's what we were saying. It's like, yeah, I, I limited myself. Honest. <laughs> got a few referees going, no, we saw you. He came up behind me and said, boo, so I jumped out of the ring, but I wanna, I'm ready to go back <laughs> oh, yeah. in. So I didn't want to get scared, even though <laughs> I'm a like, fucking Hogan. Yeah. Um, he had really bad breath. I had to get away. Yes, um, and then in dip move number five, um, <laughs> he pulls um, Sid's arm. He's trying to eliminate Sid. Flair uh, goes, "Oh, I can win this." Um, helps, help, pretty much tries to pull it over. Hogan helps him out, and that's it. Flair wins, and he's the WWF champion. Um, Bobby Heenan does the original the... yes chant. Yes, 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 yes. He goes, he, he loses his shit over it. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, but the question I'm going to ask is, is that how the fuck is Hogan the good guy here? I I am. 
it makes no sense. Yeah, there there's plenty of times in his career where he seemed to be more of a heel than a face in some of his antics and his matches, that's for sure. Um, but I actually feel like I, I can't remember where this was, but it may have been a, it was like 10 years ago. It may not exist anywhere, but somebody had like this really long, like 5,000 word article on how Hulk Hogan was always secretly a heel and like made this huge yeah. list and this huge breakdown of all the different, um, of all the different times he cheated and, you know, like where he was the guy that cheated first or where he was the guy that used a chair first or whatever. Yeah. And, and it's actually like the evidence was actually quite damning. Um, oh yeah, it is. Uh, and this is this is like a this is a great example of it right here. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing you've got with um, like one thing that, that I always find weird of WWE in, in today's product is that some of the baby faces are like complete assholes, even worse than the heels they're facing with. I mean, I mean, I mean, Cena's Cena's like a whole thing about here and now, so it is um one thing that I don't like about Cena is his character does sound like a bit of a dick sometimes. And um, I don't know if you ever read Brandon Strauss' Best or Worst of War. Mm-hmm. I uh, I think I've read it a couple of times. I don't I don't yeah. read a lot of stuff on I with all the wrestling that Joe and I have to watch to do what a maneuver. Yeah. I don't get much time to pay attention to the to the present day product. And when I do, I prefer to check out like Lucha Underground or NXT or yeah. whatever, just because. I mean, you know, whatever they. They're in a WWE is in a bad position where they have to fill three hours on Raw and two hours on SmackDown and three hours yeah. of pay per views every month. And there's just it, it's impossible to tell good stories when you have to fill that much time. Yeah. Um, but regardless of like why they can't do it, they can't do it. So there's just no point in paying too close attention to it. Yeah, that's true. But um, but did you have that? I mean, I think and Shame Shameless, he ever saw his feud of Brother Dewey. He has a complete wanker in that because he's been racist. He beats up the what kind of Rodriguez for no reason, <laughs> and then he robs Dewey's car and and like traps all over it and stuff like that. <laughs> and I think myself, you're the good guy. You can't do that. Um. So anyway, um. But one thing, regular to the ending. Obviously, the one I saw was when you hear the cheers and all that stuff. But on TV a few weeks later, all of that is dubbed over. The commentary is different. Instead of uh, even though you the fans cheering, um, because this version of event they're booing instead, mm-hmm. and I think that's a big, massive fuck you to the fans of WWE. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, but they controlled the message so much back then that the only people that really would have known were people that had watched it on pay per view, I guess, and people that were in the arena. So. Yeah, and um, yeah, especially in the arena because then you see it weeks later, it's like that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But um, it's hard to do now because of the way you got the internet and social media now. And you know, you can like some people kind of like upload the pay per views on the internet and stuff like that. So it's like it's harder to do that now. But mm-hmm. I think that there are times where they try to do things like that where the fans are going one way and they're like, no, 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 we don't want that. We want you to do this instead mm-hmm. and um, do something like that. As well, um, so at, uh, um, so obviously Hogan comes up. Hogan in uh, didn't move number six. Um, goes after Flair. Flair. Flair bails, and Perfect comes out to celebrate. Um, he then goes, right, I'm off. <laughs> so he goes <laughs> off to join them. I was like, good, let's go. Where the fuck are you going? <laughs> um, and then Hogan gets to a shoving match, and then like a million referees and officials come to him. You know, gets in between them, and they're like. Um, 
Hogan, you know, Sid does it's like he's moving his on his knee and putting his hands up. Um, Hogan does the air cut to booze. Um, <laughs> Gotta set up that uh, that main event at WrestleMania. Oh uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, and then um, so that's it. And then obviously hit and you no know, leaves the ring, even Hogan in the ring at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the match, and then we um, cut backstage to um, you no, know, Mean Gene Oakland's there with Jack Tunney and Flair Perfect Heenan. And I have to say, Heenan and Flair have the biggest shit eating grins I've ever seen. They are smiling from ear to ear on this, and um. Like Flair, and I think this is one of the best promos he's ever done. And I can always, because I'm not really seeing that much of his recent stuff because I think because he's in his 60s and was still west until very recently and stuff like that. So perhaps the modern female has changed somewhat, but I, I personally think he's probably one of the top two or three um, talkers in the industry ever. I just love all, throughout this whole event of the WrestleMania, the promos he did with him and Perth are absolutely amazing. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a there's a big long period like to like late period WCW from like like '97 through the end of the the run where he uh, he did a little bit too much yelling, but he could definitely um, yeah. Get, he when he was a little calmer, he was a lot better, I think, as a promo guy. And yeah, this one where he's just talking about how much it means to him that he won and how yeah. like, this being in WWF and having the WWF champion means that he really is the the number one wrestler in the world and um yeah yeah yeah, he's super intense when he's talking about that and then yeah he and heenan like heenan comes in and pats him on the back and heenan and perfect are just super like they're they are giddy with joy they are so happy that rick flair has won and it's uh it's a really it's a really great moment and hell i mean it's amazing that flair is even able to speak given how much like he's in the he's in the rumble for just over an hour, right? Like an yeah, hour. Yeah, he's like minute. an hour and two seconds, something yeah. like that. And and he's active through most of it. Like like most of the guys when they um it's like most of the marathon Royal Rumble runs, the guys spend a lot of time outside the ring or laying on the mat or whatever. And yeah. Flair is active through pretty much all of that match. You know, he never really yeah. stops fighting guys or taking bumps or get you know, getting punched or whatever. And for him to do all yeah. that and then be able to come out and um, to give this promo and be coherent and not totally blown up is it's amazing. I, that's like one of the things that uh, a lot of guys talk about when they they talk about, you know, how great Ric Flair was, was that he just could go forever. You know, he had infinite yeah. lung capacity. He never got tired. And this is a great example of that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, one thing, one thing that um, I don't know if I'm not is that. He, I think it's, Sid had six, six eliminations and he did five, but a lot of them was like just opportunist ones. Like he, he sees a chance to go for it. He's not trying. He does try to like eliminate a few by himself, but, but I think all but one of the eliminations is him like seizing an opportunity and then taking it. Because uh, obviously that the West he eliminated just tried to buy something else, so he takes advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but one thing I found weird, I think I, I said back to the promo. Uh, one thing I like about it, it's it's not like he's. Because he's always been saying like he's been the real world champion, and it's like only now he can actually say that because this is now the number one company in the world and number one, all that stuff. And he gives like respect, you know, respect to the people like you know, I've beat all these people and now the champion. I've been great promo, but for some bizarre reason, this McMahon hated this promo. 
Oh, really? Don't get. Yeah, apparently he didn't like it because I think he, I think he wanted more of a heel. Because this is a heel promo, but I guess. It, can, it, it is a little bit of a babyface promo as well because he is like pulling people over, saying you know they're all great and all that stuff. But I because he was saying that, but he was being, he was being so, just being in a way arrogant about it because there's one bit in the promo where um, Perfect and Bobby are like going. No, we're not not the, not the kind of guy to say we told you so, but we told you so. Right. Kind of thing, because they, they've always been saying, oh, yeah, he's going to win, he's going to win, and all that stuff. So yeah. I, I can't I I see Vince's point, but I think it's just, I think he really Yeah, he's, that. I mean, it's, I think that, I think that it is a heel promo in the way that Ric Flair's, pro, like, it's a Ric Flair promo. Like, take it or leave it. You know what I mean? Like, um, it's definitely yeah. of like of his earlier days when he was just super confident and that was kind of what made him heal. Um, yeah. Like I, I, you know, whatever, like, but from Vince McMahon's perspective, especially in this era, like to be a heel, you have to be, you know, you have to wear a mask and sneak around and repossess people's property or whatever. Um, yeah. I don't get <laughs> You have to be like a, like a comic yeah. book um, supervillain. Really? And Ric Flair yeah. was never that. No, he wasn't. He was. Never, he, was never, he never really had a gimmick. His only gimmick was beginning to say that, you know, because of when he left, he was, uh, you know, he was, a, he was a champion. That was the only gimmick was that he was saying, "I'm the real world champion." That's the only gimmick he had mm-hmm. at that time. He was all this, all, all this stuff was always always being there, like the robe and all that stuff. So, um, yeah. Um, How messed I, up is it that he doesn't have his proper music as he exits the ring? Yeah, I mean, I I try I try to like. The music he had at WWF, but obviously when he came back, WWE bought WCW, so they used the um, 2001 music. And I do like that music as well, but I quite liked the music he had in WWF as well. It's it's it was, it's not you know it's slightly similar that kind of thing, saying you know kind of announcing like this like awesome character. Yeah, I don't. I just when I see Ric Flair, um, so yeah, I need to hear match. also Spock, Sprock, Zarathustra. You know what I mean? Like I need, yeah. I need that to be. Rick yeah, Flair's that 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 is song. that is Ric Flair. Yeah. Like, no, that is the personification of Ric Flair. That music. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. When it well, the aftermath of this is um, Ric Flair becomes champion for three more months uh, to WrestleMania. Um. There's a there's a press conference where Jack Tony announces Hulk Hogan as number one contender. But well, that never happened, and I don't think it's ever been quite clear why. No, why they would go, they would go one direction and then they don't, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, um, sorry, I forgot to mention this earlier. Apparently, it was Bobby Heenan's idea that he comes in at number three. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, I thought it was great. Yeah, um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'll let you finish this. I, like, I have some yeah, like, some wrap up yeah, thoughts on the, the the match itself, but yeah. Um, so yeah, I was about to say, apparently it's Bobby Heenan's idea of number three, but, uh, but a lot of people are saying that Flair final on the day, but that's not true because um, obviously because of WrestleMania is like the biggest event of the year, mm-hmm. they, they plan out probably a bit more five in advance than most pay-per-views. So um, he probably knew since it was like a week or two beforehand, the whole plans for WrestleMania, he's going to win the and all that stuff. So before I continue with the aftermath, do you have any other thoughts about the match? Well, uh, so... First of all, there is a great moment. Uh, I just saw this. I just noticed this note because it's right at the bottom of the page. But well, um, <laughs> well, Mean Gene is interviewing Flair and Heenan and Mister Perfect <laughs> for for some reason. Um, mean Gene looks over at somebody in the like off screen and says, "Hey, put that cigarette out." 
Oh yeah, he the does. seed to interview, and I've never yeah. really understood why he felt that that was so important that he needed to interrupt this seminal wrestling moment to tell some guy not to smoke backstage. But I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, he probably thought about you know the smoke might like indif- you know might go into the stream or something. That's probably yeah. why he said it. Yeah, but uh, I just I um I we talked about it a little bit, but I just wanted to to sort of drive home the point that like like this match is great for a, like a myriad of different reasons you know rick flair's performance is great and roddy piper's performance is really good like he's in there for a real long time um there's you know the shenanigans with the the uh, the hogan pop and the the overdubbing of the booze um or the when when he gets eliminated and there's um like i love stuff like that in professional wrestling and like this is a yeah. great um like the the moment where Flair and Carrie Von Eric sort of meet and the the crowd pops was I thought that was a really great like cool moment looking back on like their sort of long feud. Um, there's that. There's also when Flair and Piper sort of you know get together like that's another great like hey this is a really cool moment in wrestling history where um, all these sort of generations of guys like these these guys that um, were big stars elsewhere for you know, the last 15 years sort of all get together and sort of have this one final blowout. Um, I think this yeah. match is really cool for that reason. And then there's, you know, there's obviously all the, the stupid gimmicks that show up. Um, yeah. You know, with like the, the Skinners and the IRSs and the Repo Man and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Which is, you know, just a, like, it's like these this meeting of the, the absolute top, the creme de la creme of professional wrestling and the absolute fucking bottom of the barrel stuff. Um, yeah. Well, they, well, at that time, they tried a lot of wrestlers. I mean, you have people... I mean, it's quite common now for wrestlers to, you know, have a match and take part in the Wumble. But, you know, you didn't have, um, you know, Owen Hart there. You didn't have Bushwhackers and the Mountie wasn't there. They, they had tried a lot of guys that, that could have been in the Wumble, but they didn't. So it does kind of show a little bit of the that they had. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, those guys all had matches. Um, they all had tag matches before the Rumble started. Yeah. So, um, and then the the final, obviously, the big, the huge, the big star of the night. Despite all all that stuff, makes this a great match. But it's it's Bobby Heenan that that carries the day and sort of elevates this from a great match and a great Royal Rumble to being the greatest um, Royal yes. Rumble. Um, I mean, like you know, there's not really a big stunt, and the Rumbles are always kind of boring from a wrestling perspective, just because there's not enough room to really do wrestling stuff. And as yeah. you said, um, right off the bat, that everybody in the Royal Rumble is an idiot. You know, their yeah. IQ drops fifty points when they get into a Rumble <laughs> match because everybody has to um, to be very careful. You know, <laughs> they can't, like I said, they can't wrestle. They can't do smart things. They, everybody tries to eliminate somebody, and you know, they duck back in, and nobody pays attention to that stuff. But um, for for Heenan to play like like. Ric Flair's victory is not just him rooting for Ric Flair, but it's like Keenan's personal stakes in the match and just yeah. like how crazy he goes throughout the whole thing for him to carry on like that for an hour is like a, like a total, um, it's, it's just an amazing performance from Bobby Heenan that, like I said, elevates this from being a great, a great Royal Rumble to, yeah. like I said, probably it's my favorite match and my favorite Royal Rumble by a long shot. Yeah, it's mine as well. And I said before, it's, it's, it, a lot of people do regard this to be the best Royal Rumble match. Um, and I said before, I think I, 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 I've been brained my favorite ever color commentator. 
I think him and Gwyn were brilliant together. Um, they loved the um, loved like the band. Now you know they kind of like you know not angry at each other. You know it wasn't it wasn't like that in real life, obviously. But um, yeah, I support. And I can't I can't imagine uh, like I love Jesse the Body Ventura and there's a lot of other great wrestling announcers, um, and but I can't imagine anyone else carrying an hour long wrestling match from never even appearing on screen the way that Bobby Heenan does. Um, yeah. It, yeah, it's, it's a true yeah, achievement think, what he does in this match. I, I think the only person I had to see possibly could do that was is Paul Heyman, but he never did a Royal Rumble, so nobody got a chance to see if he could. Uh, he only did it for a very short time in WWF. Um, so, yeah, I mean, um, back to um, what I was saying earlier, um, Ric Flair is champion to WrestleMania 8. Um, he loses to Savage in um, a tremendous match. It's one of my favorite matches. Absolutely. Uh, and and I, I also apologize because of Heenan, because he's so biased. Um, he's like screaming up there to get up and all that stuff. And um, there's one bit in that match where um, Flair pulls Savage off. And obviously, Heenan's like, you know, good is like angry about that. And Heenan's going, it's a two count, it's a two count. He, he doesn't acknowledge the fact that. You know, perfect cheats and all that stuff. Um, as for um, Hogan and Sid, they uh, eventually face each other. Um, the heel turn for, for Sid didn't really take part at that time, the Royal Rumble. Can't have it a few weeks later. And eventually they do have a match in the main event, Western Arena 8. Um, probably the weirdest main event I've ever seen because Hogan is supposed to be the big baby highest and never loses. <laughs> um, spends most of the time getting the crap beaten out of him. And then uh, makes his comeback, and then this got this weird ending where um, Papa Shango is supposed to come down, but he's like like two hours too late. Uh, <laughs> it turns to a clusterfuck, and the bell just rings for no reason, and the referee goes, "Yeah, it's a certification for because reasons." Mm-hmm. So it's um it's it's a it's a weird um time. They really had a weird Western as I had. Um, so yeah, as for Flair, he stays on for another. I think he leaves just after the '93 Royal Rumble. Um, um, yeah, yeah, he gets so he loses, loser leaves WWF match to Mister Perfect right after the '93 Rumble. Yeah, which is yeah, I mean, actually I that's, a, that's to, a pretty good match too. Yeah, I'm not seeing him on, but I would love I would have loved to have seen him for an um, no, probably because apparently he said that that's like his best time you no know, wrestling. Was, the, was that time in WF the first time? I would have loved to have seen them. You know, hopefully, like, you no, know, stay a bit longer and see where that would have gone. If how WWE went if he stayed and yeah. um, stuff like that. Cause a lot of people were leaving that time and he were left like with Bret Hart. He became champion in '92, but he was beaten just random jabronis <laughs> people you would never think would be champion and you yeah. could never believe that. Yeah, it so, was really but, pretty much all they had through that like 93 94 era was like they had brett and sean who like sean hadn't quite made the leap yet but he was almost there it wasn't until wrestlemania 10 where he and razor ramon sort of stepped up but like those were kind of the only three guys that they had that were even close to that level through that run um yeah rick flair definitely could have been a great asset but i mean whatever he yeah like you said he said that aside from his time with arn anderson and the four horsemen that that was the greatest year and a half of his career yeah um, but 
you know, his heart was always with WCW. Like that was where yeah. he belonged. And it was, the, he had a nice, he had a nice fun run with WWF and it was good that he got that time there. But, um, it was no surprise that he eventually went back to WCW. Yeah, that's true. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the match itself. Um, all that stuff. So, um, Eric, thank you for being on the show. Um, where can we find you on the internet? Um, well, obviously, like you said, uh, Joe Drilling and I, who I think Joe's been on your podcast a couple times, we have a podcast yeah. called What a Maneuver, where we watch um, basically all of the – we did all of 96, and we've done now all of 1997 um, of the uh, WWF and WCW Nitros, and um, we're just about to start in on 1998. Um, actually, we're going to watch the uh, the big three-hour um, – video where Jim Cornette talks about all of the uh, the crazy stuff that happened behind the scenes in WWF in 1997 and I think we're going to talk about that um, to sort all of right. kick off our run into 1998 so uh, that's I think org is the, the website or you can go to onthestick.com and find it on the sidebar and uh, we have a Twitter account which is at what underscore a underscore maneuver if you want to you know talk to us about professional wrestling usually joe handles that but yeah. i jump on there sometimes too um as for uh myself uh, i'm at, at load on wrestling or one word on twitter um two websites of the podcast on load um talking about various um significant moments in my lifetime which is from the end of, end of 81 and um the main blog is well uh, for the pay-per-view reviews, I'm mad behind on that. I've, I've only, like, at the time of the I'm only halfway through watching TLC. Because uh, I just dead match, I'm like, I don't want to watch that. So, <laughs> I mean, that's been, that's been, putting, that's been putting me off. Um, but uh, hopefully, by the time this comes out, I should be able to watch that and then uh, get and up right up to the 2 lines 15 Royal Rumble. So, Eric, thank you again for being on the show. Yeah, thanks. I got my, um, uh, got my, whatever, my crazy... Aladdin meets NC Hammer pants on, and I'll uh, dance my way out of here. All right, then. Um, so thank you very much, guys, for listening. <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you very much for listening to the show, and we'll catch you next time. So, bye-bye. bye bye. Well, bye. That's it.